if I can just be semi-serious for a second. Yeah, yeah. This is why I care about this, um, societally speaking. And you can jump ahead 30 seconds if you guys want. If you don't want to hear me, just kind of wax. Uh, not poetic. I'm not a poet. But if you guys want me to complain or you don't want to hear me complain, you can jump ahead like a minute or so. But when I when I see stuff like this go down in sports journalism, where you get... Um, Previously, it was the Knicks telling all non-Knicks affiliated uh, media people that they aren't allowed to be in on Jalen Brunson's uh, intro presser. That was some red flags. Cause, and at that time, by the way, they were getting ready for... Um, they, I'm sure they saw an investigation coming as it pertained to the tampering that they did with Jalen Brunson, right? So... By telling media people that you can't be here to ask about that, that's a red flag. And that, by the way, makes it more difficult for the fan to be informed on the team that they root for. Um, when I see, when I find out that Adam Schefter was sending uh, unedited versions of the columns he was going to write to Dan Snyder, of all people, and calling him Mr. Editor and stuff, like given what we know about Dan Snyder, who knows what the hell he was telling Adam Schefter, Schefter to take out of those of those things. When it comes to Adrian Wojnarowski hosting uh, dinners with Woj in Vegas for all of these GMs across the league um, and trading information with them so that he can get better access and stuff. Like, yeah, it, in terms of their abilities to do their jobs, like that's it, credit to them for thinking of this and being sorry, shameless enough to do this in, in the way that they have. Um, it has worked out for them. They are incredibly wealthy and, and props to them for doing it. And also, by the way, props to them for sticking with it. Like their lifestyles are insane. Like I could never do the things that they do. They are incredibly talented, smart people, Machiavellian, but smart people who do really, I'll just call it interesting things to get the, the, the access that they do. And the reason that this matters to me in sports is because this is the place that the vast majority of people, for lack of a better term, kind of practice journalism, right? Like we, we, this is where you have to pay attention to the news so you can stay on top of who to draft in your fantasy league. This is where you kind of, you can, you can, if you follow it closely enough on Twitter, you can kind of piece together and you can read your own tea leaves to figure out how, this stuff works and who might be going where and where leaks might be coming from. Like this is where we all kind of try to learn news literacy. And so when I see it, uh, when I see journalism just kind of trampled on in sports, it makes me nervous because that means that news literacy that we might be practicing here where it doesn't matter as much when the stakes are significantly lower, um, that, that lack of practice or practicing bad habits, uh, that just means that we're going to be that much worse at it with stuff that actually does matter. And that's why, like, when, when I have an entire conversation with Ethan Strauss about this, the reason I do it, even while acknowledging most people don't care, um, that's why. The reason I do it is because, like, we need to be better at understanding some of how the sausage is made so that when we chew into a piece of, when we bite into a piece of bad sausage, we aren't taken completely by surprise. Yes. I mean, you, yes, you are, you are absolutely right. I, I wish I had better news for you, but I think that 
again. Oh, it's not going anywhere. Right. People don't care enough. It's going to get worse. Yeah. Um, and I even like, I think it's disingenuous, but I understand why it happens. Right. You, and, and we, you and I talk about this quite a bit that the reason it's going to get worse in my opinion is because the news creators, whether it's athletes or politicians, which would actually matter uh, because of technology and because of advancements, I put that in quotes in air quotes, advancements in the world need us need not us, but need journalists less and less and less to tell their yeah. stories. So the ones that are able to foster these relationships and do have this platform are going to pander to those sources and they probably have to because they can't exist otherwise. Because frankly, when it comes down to it, like the athlete, the news makers don't actually need the news breakers. They can do it themselves. Yeah, I would go. I would actually take it a step further and I would say in terms of what they need, in order for the Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musk's, the, the athlete X, the owner X, the executive X, right? Powerful people what they think they need and they're probably right is fewer people asking questions because the more questions that get asked about them the more the, the the easier it is for people to who are reading at home to realize oh man these people are really bad for us <laughs> yeah yeah i think the thing though is i mean the way in which they are still not necessary but useful to the news creators the news makers is that this this from like shams obviously came from kd or kd's camp yeah. but it is one layer of the story plausible deniability right yeah there's a source i don't know if it came from kd himself or rich kleinman or somebody in, but like the story came from that. somebody in kd's orbit mm -hmm. but kd can say I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that. Right. I didn't say that he can get his message out there without it having to be him on Twitter. Like, Hey man, fire marks and fire. If you want me to stay for Right. So there, but as you, as you said on, on the show with, with Ethan, like journalist slash, or like the, the lines between journalist and PR person are tend to blur and, mm -hmm. Like it's also it's it's not a good thing, but it's also not it ain't going nowhere. We also we also see a lot of these powerful entities hiring journalists because they recognize the value in that journalist and the trust that that journalist has built over years of doing good journalism. Mm -hmm. They recognize that that is of value to them, so that when that journalism starts doing PR for that for that entity, uh, that people won't disseminate the work that they did as a journalist versus the work that they're doing as a PR spokesman. And I'm sorry, like I don't, that that comes across as as I think more uh, sharper a criticism than it, than it necessarily has to be, but there are like like Lee Jenkins getting hired by by the Clippers, Clippers. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin Ding was formerly hired by the Lakers, uh, you know Mark Medina now writes for NBA.com, which is a partner obviously with the Lakers and. And like the more of these journalists who go into these things, and I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody for taking a job, man, especially in this market, get the money that you can do the job that you can do. And by the way, there's still good work being done there. Like I thought the, the interview that Medina did with Jeannie Buss was really good. And he asked really 
pointed questions that forced her to go to some un uncomfortable places. Like that doesn't mean that this is necessarily mutually exclusive journalism and PR. But I do think though, uh, the more that these powerful entities hire people and, and ESPN is, is now, it seems to be heading in this direction across the board where you're seeing more and more journalists, uh, journalists exit ESPN to go do work where they can continue being journalists because the relationships that ESPN ha has with these corporate partners are make it are making it incredibly difficult to do that journalism, if not impossible. So I, I you know, like we saw Ariel Hawani, who, um, you know, is now a colleague of mine here at Vox, right? He was at ESPN and, and Dana White wanted him fired by ESPN for asking difficult questions, for demanding that these athletes get paid more than they are currently paid. Like for doing these things that a journalist, an independent journalist can do, it becomes difficult for them to do that when their boss is telling them, no, we have to do right by our corporate partner. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people are, are understanding the difference between, or, or are noticing that shift from journalism to PR. Uh, and, and that's why I have these conversations. We've been on this a long time. Yeah, but we're, so, yeah, so let's go back to KD. Where do you, how, how do you think this, because I think KD did himself a disservice by making this public um, because it's going to make people dig in in ways that they should have probably before, but certainly are now. So does KD come to, like, because you, you mentioned earlier in the rundown for the show, what we were going to talk about is, you know, the Lakers considering training camp kind of a soft deadline that's also true in brooklyn yeah what is what is the next move here what if what if the nets just say nah we're good man you're, you're, we're not trading you either because wouldn't surprise we're, me we're drawing a line we're not going to trade you period or like oh we just don't have an offer that we like yet Aaron, their first, their first their first demand from boston was both everything. Brown yeah, and everything Tatum. yeah and by the way ship that motherfucking leprechaun on over with him. you gotta come to <laughs> yeah. dig up red r back and send him right uh so yeah i that so that demand was interesting to me because that sounded like a team that knows it's not going to trade like you don't make that demand if you're actually trying to start productive negotiations right that's kind of like you know you, you're trying to buy a house that's listed for we'll say 500 grand right. and then you come in with an offer at 250 <laughs> like you're not I'll actually you interested in the house. bucks in cab fare home <laughs> yeah, right. i have some mcdonald's chicken nuggets in my back seat it's hot enough out here that those are still semi-fresh do you want them you know like if if that's the starting point on your offer, you aren't actually trying to buy that house. You aren't actually trying to make this trade. So it you know the the type of things that that Brooklyn has been asking of all of these, and now they're it's made it's easier. Kevin fucking Durant. They should well, be. sure it may it makes it easier for them to do that, given that Rudy Gobert went for like seventy three first round picks. So like their their job is made a lot easier in the leverage that they have after the market is reset to that point. Right, but. They also like the, the demands that they're making while I understand why they're making them, they aren't starting points of productive conversations. Just like, by the way, I think you could say the same of the opposite on the other side of this story where the Raptors are saying, we aren't going to include Scotty Brown or Scotty Barnes. Barnes yeah. Um, the, the, so, uh, you're not going to what? <laughs> the, you're not going to what? The, the, the uh, Durant. <laughs> right. The, 
the Phoenix Suns saying that we aren't including Macau Bridges or something like that, or right. or or, you or get, if you can get Cam Johnson, <laughs> right. Jay Crowder, the, and a 2048 second, right? It, it could uh, or leave it. The the uh, Celtics saying that they aren't including Marcus Smart, you know, and we aren't including Robert Williams, like the, like these. It doesn't from this point and at this point, and like to the point that you make all the time, we aren't facing any kind of a serious deadline here where something has to get done by. So a lot of this is posturing before something actually has to, you know, progress right. actually has to be made. But there, the starting point is it, are at like on both ends of the spectrum are so far apart from each other. That even given, even acknowledging that this is all posturing, you're, I still sit here and say, and I think this is why you're asking the question of like, where does this go from here? Like, I'm still sitting here and saying like, where's, where even is the middle ground? Like the middle ground here is impossible oh, to I don't, find. There may have been middle ground, but that's my, my point is, if there was middle ground, once KD made this public, because it's, that screams of, he was advocating for something privately and wasn't getting his way and then wanted to make it public to put additional pressure. But I think he has weakened his position by making it public. And so he, what does he have left? I don't, that's the part of it that, that is confusing to me is I don't know what KD now that he has made all of this public, if he gets told, no, I don't know what his recourse is at this point. No, I'm no, we're not trading you. No, we're not firing them. Okay, now what? Well, why why do you think Brooklyn has been handling this the way that they have? They kind of know he's out of options. The further he kicks this can down the road, there's a cliff at the end of this road. <laughs> like, <laughs> but then look, Brooklyn doesn't want him to like not play either. Like the 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 best case scenario for Brooklyn is also not he just decides to we get to find him because he doesn't show up. That's not that doesn't ain't great for Brooklyn either. Well, but I think it, it they they saw how things went for Simmons, you know, in, in Philly. And I obviously Kevin Durant is a significantly better player than Ben Simmons and 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 all of this. But if you actually like the, the part of the part of the story that I don't think gets mentioned enough is Katie's track record here. OKC bent over backwards for this guy. You couldn't cover him honestly. Their PR staff would step in and they would like push people out of the room for asking tough questions of this guy because he didn't want to answer tough yeah, what questions. Was, what was that like famous headline, Mister Unreliable? Right, yeah, like yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you know he goes to, to Golden bullshit, State, whatever bullshit paper that is in Oklahoma. The yeah, the Oklahoma Top Hat Gazette. <laughs> the worst city in the league and I then and then place. but then he goes he goes from there like you know they they did what they could to appease him in in okc and then he goes from there to golden state where steph and everybody welcomes him with open arms they do a shit ton of winning and he's still unhappy there he's still so like he's still looking for outs and and was like if you read ethan strauss's book about that last year that he was there in, in golden state None of it sound. <laughs> all of it was, and then well, that, goes, that is another fair question: is what, Katie? What what do you want? Well, that's the thing. And then he goes to he goes to Brooklyn, where he is the guy, and he gets to bring his best friend. He, bring, he brings in his bestie. He fires the coach who won't. Yeah, like yeah. fires the coach who won't play his other bestie um, at center, even though Jared Allen is a better center than DeAndre Jordan um, was at the time, and obviously since then has only gotten better. Like the like part a big part of this is I think you know we talk a lot about the league informing you who you are, 
mm-hmm. right? Like I, the, the Sacramento Kings hilariously every year say, we aren't tanking. We aren't bottoming out. We're, we're vying for a playoff spot. Are you sure? The, the league is like, you're the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. But. Well, look at, look at, unfortunately, uh, and we've talked about this and McMenamin and like all the dudes uh, that were signed to minimum deals with the Lakers last year who are no longer, or not no longer, are not currently employed in the NBA. The NBA has told them who they yeah. are at this point in their careers. I think we're seeing this with KD. I think the league is kind of notifying him, hey man, you've done business in a really shitty way for a long time. This is who you are. We don't trust you. And I think, I think what he's learning is that man, where, how do I dig myself out of this? I'm not sure there is a way. The only way that he can really dig himself out of this is to either get happy in Brooklyn or go somewhere and get happy there and just kind of... Yeah, but go where? He does, he's not in charge of this anymore. Yeah, and, and but but I think... Or does, I he, think, does he just take the... This is what is so fascinating to me, yeah. right? We maybe run out of time and we may talk about this with the Lakers and deadline. When camp happens and he is not traded, if Mark's and if Kiwi and and Nash are still there, what does he do? Because he has made this public, he did it himself. Is he just going to show up to camp and take the L? My bad. I didn't know you. I didn't know yeah. y'all were serious. Like, what does he go? What What does he do? Do you think he shows up to camp? I don't know, but this is definitely Steve Nash when he walks into into practice for the first day. I can't believe you guys. Do you both wake up in the morning, call each other up? Good morning, Marcus. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? I. Right. So, how are we going to fuck up the captain's life today? <laughs> oh, I love that movie Can so much. He, but, Bad Boys like, 2, the rare sequel, better than the first. Bad Boys 2 is really good. It's not better Bad Boys than the 3 first. was terrible. Bad Boys 3 is an all-time abomination. <laughs> All-time abomination. Yeah. But I, th- I think Bad Boys 2 is better than Bad Boy 1. Come no. at me, Twitter. No. No, it is not. It, yeah. Bad Boys 3 might be the worst sequel other or sequel sequel other than <laughs> whatever that shit is. Uh, the Indiana Jones crystal alien yeah. <laughs> thing was. I remember. With, uh, with what? What's what's that crazy? Shia LaBeouf? Sh- yeah, that crazy motherfucker swinging yeah. in ropes with with monkeys, and somehow he can he can Tarzan swing on vines and ropes and shit in the jungle and catch up to cars that are never mind. Yeah, that shit was terrible. Bad I remember Boys sitting in the theater great. for it is that. Not better than one. I remember sitting in the in the in the theater watching that last that Crystal Crystal Skulls movie, thinking to myself, "Please don't be aliens. Please don't be aliens. Please don't." Be- Ugh. It's aliens. <laughs> Look, all we needed all right, to know please about don't that be one, aliens. Please don't be hokey aliens. Please don't be hokey aliens. All we needed to know about that one was like four minutes in. Uh, Indiana Jones was at the site of a nu- nuclear detonation <laughs> and saved himself because he was in like a 1950s lead lined refrigerator. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, no, he's good, right? Yeah. It should be no problem. That's those all we needed to know about that movie. Those don't heat up. Oh, like he... cool. Yeah. How about the all radiation? Right. No? Yeah, right. How about the fact that he was thrown, I don't know, several hundred feet in the air <laughs> in the refrigerator? <laughs> and then, dun, like... Da, 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 da. 
Katie is terrible. All right. So what is what does Katie do? What is his I mean, what is his recourse here? Does he just take if he doesn't get his way now that he's made it public? Does he just show up to camp and take the L? I I don't think he can. I think he has to. He has to like at this point. It's got once you once you demand that people lose their jobs, like you're you're pot committed. You have a yes. single you That's have a single so chip left in your. <laughs> this motherfucker is a he's got a two eight offsuit and it's just like all in. <laughs> so he's like he's sitting there. He doesn't have any other options here. So I think he has to now threat. Like I think the next leak that we're gonna get is all right. Kevin Durant has informed the Brooklyn Nets that he will sit out until they trade him. Cool. That's the next. Yeah. Cool. Now we're taking half your money. Oh, we're taking yeah. all your. We're fining you for every game. Oh, dude, the the yeah. CBA is cool. going to be a yeah, bloodbath. Cool. cool. I and and again, I said this at this point, damn near an hour ago. The way in which I am like KD is I don't like anything other than basketball. Like, yeah, KD is a he's a lunatic. All yeah. he cares about is basketball. He has no hobbies, no life, no family, not family, but like, you know, he's not married and I have no kid. Like, he just wants to hoop. Yeah. So. He's going to give up all his money and he's going to give up hooping at like a late stage in his career. He's not 27. Right. Oh, you want to sit this? You want, you want, you're going to do this for four years, KD? Okay. We'll see you when you're 38 and a free agent. Enjoy. Yeah. And haven't played in four years. Enjoy. Right. Um, all right. Let's, let's discuss uh, that soft deadline here. Well, no. Do you want to? Nah, I think I'm good on the soft deadline thing. Like the, look, I think. Short story here is that the Lakers are apparently softening in their stance as they near training camp um, to trade for Kyrie Irving, and they are more interested in including that second first-round pick for Kyrie Irving. Now, the various packages that could come back, right, they're, I think they're still relatively hardened in their stance on whether uh, they would include both picks for what would come back from Indiana. I think... As it pertains to the Knicks and Jazz, I I would be shocked if they included both first round picks for the returns that could come from both of those places. Um, I I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on this, other than to say I like agree. we have. This has been what we've said all along. You know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But as we get, you know, I say deadlines create activity, right? And so I think this does indicate that for. And this is not a Lakers specific thing for Brooklyn, for the Lakers, for the Knicks, for the Jazz, for the Pacers, all these teams that are being mentioned that training camp is a, a, a flight inflection point is a movement point um, because you want to know what your roster is going to look like going into the season. Right. Yeah. Um, and you want to have time to, to work with that roster. The other thing at, for the Lakers is LeBron always does these. Like pre camp. I was just camp. gonna say yeah. this was this right, was another like this was another I thought pointed leak from LeBron's people. Um, you know, usually the last couple that he's done took place in Vegas. Yeah. Um, apparently he is changing the locale to San Diego. Awesome. I, I I agree with that approach, LeBron. San Diego is a significantly better city than than Las Vegas. Is it? Oh man, I love San Diego. Right by the beach, better. Yeah, but weather. you can pass. You can pass for white. You have you have the gas lamp district, I'm, dude. That's ah, man, Little Italy. The food in Little, Little Italy and, is glorious. Oh, but you can pass. You can pass for white. That's why you like San Diego. Yeah, 
but not I can't not in the not in the summer. In the summer, I go down there. The migra is like all over me out there. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. That's funny. <laughs> but so so the yeah, I, but I, I the reason I mentioned the, the the training camp aspect of this is I thought that was again because you and I always say LeBron doesn't do anything for nothing. Correct. Um, that was him. I think as as we find out that the that training camp itself is a soft deadline. LeBron was like, hey, there's there's another soft deadline here. I do not want <laughs> that dude with me, whether it be in San Diego or Vegas. So uh, I think that that to me is the like as much as, as as easy as it is to point at training camp, which would begin in, you know, the first weekend of September. Um, I think the the more important one because it comes sooner is Le- whenever LeBron chooses to have this mini training camp. I think he wants it done by then. I think he wants his extension done by then too, which is going to happen as soon as the Lakers. I mean, I will move. say that that LeBron's camp, LeBron's mini camp is used as a way to build cohesion, continuity, brotherhood, all of those things. And yeah. so, Certainly, it would be useful to have whatever the roster is going to be. Yeah. Uh, That's where they found finalized. out that Reeves was legit. Remember that? Right. Yeah, yeah, right. And that he got hit in the face all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, right. yeah. Here, I mean, I, ideally, of course. Yeah, go ahead. I would like a scientific... Uh, I would like a scientific experiment done on this theory of mine. Okay. Are white people more likely to get hit in the face by a basketball in the NBA than any other. Yes. <laughs> Why? Yes. You want my real answer? I mean, no, for the sake of, for the sake of laughing. Yeah. What's the real answer? <laughs> Less athletic and can't get out of the way. In time. Cause Mozgov was always getting hit in the face. Reeves getting hit in the face. Matthew Dellavedova <laughs> got caught a bunch of times. Like, Actually, you know what? You know what? I think the real answer probably is, if the, if that is true. I don't know if it's true, but it does. Like colloquially, it does seem like <laughs> anecdotally, it does seem like it's correct. You know what? The real answer probably is is that uh, white guys coming up have. To make it seem to have to have to yeah. play it a different way because of prejudices, because of stereotypes. Yeah, um, have to be grinders. Yeah, to make it, and it makes it seem like you have to be like involved in everything, and you have to. Yeah. right. They stick your nose. More willing in there. to get- <laughs> right. You got to be like. You got to be a grinder. You got to play harder. You got to yeah. be involved in everything. You got to be willing to do all the dirty work, which comes with comes with bruises. <laughs> So that's the real, that is my guess at the real answer. 538, jump on this for do me. This. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll do this. All right. Uh, so yeah, I, the, I, I think the, uh, the, tra- the, the LeBron's informal training camp is the, is the date to watch here. So as we get more information about when that would take place, I think that's when we'll get a lot more information on what, what the Lakers are really thinking about doing and what the Lakers are really willing to do. Um, in that training camp, apparently the Lakers are going to be testing out Anthony Davis as a facilitator. Um, this comes via Chris Haynes in that uh, in his rundown of the productive meeting between LeBron, Rapalinka, and Darvin Ham. 
if this was and some Genie. of the pro- uh and who and genie and, yeah she was there i didn't i didn't see her written about but um so apparently one of the conclusions that they came to here is that the offense should run more through anthony davis uh i disagree with the conclusion i don't think that's the kind of player that anthony davis is do you agree with that to as a starting point here i um, think ad is a finisher he's not a creator so i agree with you um but i also don't take this at face value um mm-hmm. i think it i think the offense needs to and will run through lebron yeah i think this is a message from Lakers people, Lakers power brokers, coaches, LeBron. players, LeBron. Yeah. Saying we need this version of AD. I think it is saying AD, we need us from you. Yeah. We're not going to actually necessarily call on it, but we need this mentality from you. Yeah. I think that's more of what it is than actually like, all right, AD go set up, <laughs> go, go like, you know, mid post and we're going to throw it into you and we're going to run split cuts off that. <laughs> we need you finding cutters and not, I don't think that's what it is. I think it is more a AD, AD be ready, get this mentality because we need you. Yeah. I, I texted you right after this Haynes, thing came out and, you know, I tweeted about this on, you know, as it was coming out as well. And I have thought all along, and those of you who listen to this every, every week, um, I said this a few weeks back or a couple weeks back where I said, I thought that LeBron playing in Drew League, LeBron showing all of the work that he's doing, LeBron doing all of this, especially given the fact that LeBron, uh, like we got that clip of AD saying he hadn't touched a ball in months. And then 24 hours later, we get LeBron putting in work in front of a mirror. And then about a week later, he floats that he's going to be playing in Drew League. Um, and then, you know, after LeBron showed himself doing work in front of that mirror, we get a couple days later, Anthony Davis taking pictures with lethal shooter, um, showing that he was getting his work done. Like, I think, I think the days of the days of kind of stepping back and hoping AD gets it are gone. I think, I think the, it seems to me, uh, that I think everybody involved understood that AD had to work his ass off in the bubble, played incredibly in the bubble, and expecting him to return from that a month later was a lot. But the following year, to come off of that year and look as sluggish as he did at the beginning of the year, and we can explain it away by saying he bulked up to play center or whatever, but he, again, the explanation, um, the reasoning behind it doesn't matter to me. The fact is, he looked sluggish. He was barely getting over the top of the rim. He wasn't getting around people the way uh, that he could when he was mismatched against other centers athletically. He didn't look right. He didn't look like himself. And then he got hurt, and then he slimmed down, and he came back, and he looked like old AD. And I think, you know, coming off of that, one of the things that I heard quite a bit about was there are some concerns. Hey, does this guy still have that fire after winning a championship? And I, you know, like you, I, I texted you right after we got this Hainsing. I said, hey, does this fall in line with that, with that line of thinking? And, and I think it does. Yeah, I think, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's more of a mentality thing than an actual thing. Um, because I think that running the, and look, 
what that actually means, like running the offense through AD is up for interpretation, right? And and how much and where and because I do think there are there are certainly ways in which AD can can be effective initiating offense. Um, but as I told you uh, when you texted me, it, this has been my thing. Uh, my irritation, no, my disagreement. Let's call it my disagreement. My disagreement with the Russ trade last year, and my disagreement with acquiring Schroeder the year before is. Anybody who takes possessions away from LeBron when it matters as a decision maker. Yeah. And it doesn't mean LeBron's going to use the possession. It means LeBron is going to decide if he or someone else is going to use the possession. Um, is a win for the defense, especially yeah. in the playoffs. Right. So I I have disagreed with using limited resources in acquiring people who do whose main job is to take burden off of LeBron when I don't want those guys to do those things when the games matter. So I agree with you that when the offense doesn't run through LeBron, it is a victory for the opposition. There are ways in which I think AD can be very effective initiating offense, how much and from where all of those are, our questions but i think that this is more of a and here's the other thing like i don't care what is supposed to happen when lebron decides i'm taking over and i'm doing this like he is yeah so i think it is i, I keep coming back to this but i think it is much more of a trying to develop a mentality in ad thing more so than an actual like we need x's and o's thing. 19 post post touches for you and we're going to run split cuts and we're going to run you know you're going to be we're going to run eight high pick and roll for you you know eight times you're going to be the ball handler 15 times you're going to be the screener like i don't think that's what it is i think i think it is honestly more just like ad you can dominate and you can make shots you can you can pass. You can dominate people off the bounce, as you mentioned in the bubble. Yes, he was he was slimmer, but he was he was cooking people off the bounce too. Yeah, uh, this is the handles part of the NBA offseason, and Pete has been talking about this, doing stuff for the the Lakers site. Is you know going after the the handles package and looking at AD all the times so he's cooking people off the bounce. Those things tended to be earlier in his Lakers tenure, so yeah, um, that is something he's capable of. Um, it's just a matter of how much and where and when. And but again, I think this is more of a mentality thing than an actual X's and O's thing. There's no excuses for AD heading into next year. Like there, there just are none. And he certainly had time to get in work on his game, however, and get yeah. in whatever shape he thinks he needs to be in. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be a fascinating year for him. Um, the last part of this, and I know you can't touch on this, and you just finished your Hennessy, so I apologize. And it is delicious. I, I apologize for doing this no, to good. you after you finished your your Hennessy, but you're good. Um, look, if the Lakers wanted in on Kevin Durant they could put a package together that accomplishes what the Nets are trying to do. They could offer Anthony Davis and they could offer, uh, they could send Russell Westbrook to a different team and Brooklyn could get more help or more players who might help them right now. 
Um, they could offer those those second round picks uh, to get more help that Brooklyn wants, whatever. Uh, they could do those things if Anthony Davis was included in a trade package for Kevin Durant. If if it was AD and Russ going elsewhere with AD landing in Brooklyn and Kyrie and Kevin Durant coming to the Lakers, like that's a deal that no other team out there can offer unless Boston was willing to include Tatum or unless Phoenix was willing to include Booker or, uh, you know, the AD is, is the type of player that no other team can really offer up in this, in, in this equation. Um, and, and I think this is going to be a really important season for AD and an important season for the relationship between AD and LeBron, because you know, in the back of LeBron's head, he's sitting here saying, look, if KD showed up here and it was me and KD and Kyrie going into next year, that's a championship team. Like that's a team that could go out there and, and beat anybody if they aren't the outright favorites heading into the season. So, you know, given, given how smart LeBron is on this stuff, you know, he's thinking about it. And I, I think a lot of the way that he has approached the time since Kevin Durant has made his trade request public. And by the way, once a trade request becomes public, it's been in the works for a long time. So LeBron, I think it becomes public. Once it becomes public, it's been private and nothing has happened. Yeah. Right. Days, weeks, months. And people and people in the league know about it. By the time it becomes public, people in the league have known about it for a long time. Correct. And and I think the way that LeBron has approached this entire offseason has felt to me kind of like, look, man, I could, you know, the Lakers could send you to Brooklyn and I could get this dude back. That helps me get that next championship. So you'd better, you have no excuses here. You better show up the way that you look like in the bubble. Otherwise... Man, if he starts the year in Brooklyn and AD starts the year slow, all I'm saying is that would be something I'd be looking for. Hennessy is the most delicious Hennessy that has ever been. <laughs> like I said, man, I'm sorry for doing that to you after you finish. <laughs> Hennessy is the most delicious <laughs> Hennessy that has ever Hennessy. Man, for those of you who listened all the way to this point, you just got a treat. <laughs> Probably should have started the show with that shit. Gosh. All right. That's going to do it here for this episode of The Hook in this week's episodes here on the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. I want to send a shout out to you guys because somehow we have kept pace in August with what we were doing back in July. Um, And it's because you guys, not just you guys listening, which you guys are the reasons these lights stay on, but to those who are producing a crowd. I have like this one here. I guess I could turn that one on. I could lower the blinds, I guess, but or raise the blinds. But but yeah, I, uh, the reason why the lights stay on the way that they do is because you guys continue to support us and get angry when I don't go on spaces. So I appreciate right. I appreciate the incredible support you guys continue to give us. We are going to do some really cool stuff here um, as we get ready for this upcoming season. And the reason we have the flexibility to do some of that really cool stuff is because you guys have come out in droves to support everything that we're doing here. So shouts to you all for that. Um, That is going to do it for this week. I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Aaron Larsoul. This was The Hook.